Hi everybody and welcome to this one-off special episode of Femaling. My name is Nicole Goodman and I'm your host. I'm a certified CPCC Women's Life Coach, so there was no way that I could let Mother's Day go by without touching base with you all. And today we're bringing the very big, never-ending topic of being a mum. As always in Femaling, we take a look at the relatable, real stuff us modern women all manage. And in this episode, my good friend Donna and I take a look at motherhood simply from our very own personal perspectives. We hold nothing back. She has four kids, age seven, nine, 10, and 12. Yup, four kids. So you can imagine she has a lot of wisdom to offer on this subject. And today she brings nothing but honesty and real humor. It is such a huge subject, motherhood, and one we can't really do justice in one hour, but we do have a good go. We look at how we see motherhood and how that's changed for us over the years, and more importantly, how we survive motherhood, and if, in inverted commas, we survive motherhood. There is a lovely, lovely takeaway at the end, which I believe all of us mummies will resonate with, so please do stick around till then. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a glass of something lovely and enjoy this very fresh, truthful conversation. Today, I am joined by Donna Lewis. Hi, Donna. Good evening. And if you guys haven't listened to one of my podcasts before, let me give you a bit of an introduction about Donna and why I've asked her to come on today's show, which is Being a Mum. Um, obviously on behalf of Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, Donna is a great friend of mine, a very old friend of mine. And how many children do you have, Donna? Four. Four gorgeous, gorgeous children. Um, and I've always very much admired your parenting style. <laughs> Until recently. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, funnily enough, when we were on the phone and I was asking you to be on this podcast and you, you was like, oh, well, okay, what's it about? And then you went off, didn't you? And you started screaming at one of your children and you came back and you were like, go on. And we both just, it was very funny. Yeah. Um, no, you give a very real, honest look, approach and look at parenting and how that looks for you. Yes. So I'm so pleased that you've decided to come on today and oh, to talk thanks. about it. Um, and so we're going to talk about uh, how we see and define motherhood, how our definition of motherhood has changed, how we survive motherhood. <laughs> Anything else you want to add to that? I think they're the main things. Um, and when we first discussed, when you asked me about doing the podcast, I was thinking, what is it that's interesting about motherhood and I was thinking about how much my perception of motherhood has changed from always wanting to be a mother to actually becoming one and how it hasn't (laughs) quite turned out to be all those things that you kind of think of when you're thinking about when you're younger what it's going to look like it doesn't well what's the difference I think, you know, the same as before you get married and have children, you have this idea in your mind that your family is going to be perfect, that you're going to have perfect children, that they're never going to do what you see other people's children doing, that... Well, actually, I was more on like, oh, I'm never going to do that as a mother. I never thought about... I never went as far as thinking about my children. So if I saw a mother screaming at a kid in a shopping centre, for example, I'd just think, poor kid, I would never do that as a mum. 
obviously I do do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> I do do that as a mum. <laughs> exactly. And I, I remember before we uh, moved into our house where we live now, the woman that lived here before, she had two gorgeous girls. And um, one day when we came over, she was very stressed out. It was basically she'd had a car accident because the two girls had been, her two kids had been screaming at each other so much in the car that she lost it and ended up turning around to tell them off and crash the car. <gasps> and I remember thinking to myself, oh my goodness, how could any mother ever have that? My children will never argue with each other like that. You know, my family will never look like that. And some days I think to myself, oh my gosh, that's now me. Like, how has this happened? You know, it's those kind of things. I, I remember when I was pregnant, heavily pregnant, and I would sit dreaming about my baby and I was having a girl and dreaming about when she was a little girl with hair and I would sit on the end of her <laughs> bed I swear to god I had this fancy combing her hair and plaiting her hair oh you were so upset about her hair I was, <laughs> <laughs> lack of no she's got lots of hair now thanks she's got lots of hair now um no, the, no, but Daisy, okay, my second one didn't was born without hair and it took her many years to grow her hair. Thank you for the reminder. She's now got lovely, luscious hair. She has. <laughs> um, but when I was pregnant with my first child, Daisy, I honestly believed that that was this picture perfect. It was going to be this picture perfect life. And, I, and honestly, the amount of times that I tell her when I'm trying to brush her hair, she's basically running around the whole house away from me because I hurt her. She's screaming and I'm screaming. And I always say, I would, this was my fantasy. Um, so yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't and I can work. remember for you with Daisy, that perfect bubble was over before you'd even had her because what? she was late, wasn't she? Yeah, so yeah. even your dream she's still of <laughs> she's still always late. But your dream of her arriving on a certain day and what that was going to look like for your family didn't happen. And these are all the things that you have to kind of come to terms with, adjust to. I think actually what you're pointing to is something very interesting: is that you have to be very accepting in motherhood and pragmatic because things do not. Uh, do not always go how you think they're going to go. And when I've been thinking about doing this... The podcast. The podcast. I remember oh, well, I was talking um, to Ben about it and we were going through all the baby books, which is something we happened to be doing because it was Ben's birthday. And I found my birth plan of when I had Eliana. I mean, we had driven ourselves mad. It had to be natural. It had to be this. And I had Eliana's to have number... Eliana's number one. Right. And the only one I had naturally... But at the time, it was so important to us. I mean, this birth plan we've written, I mean, how we handed it into a nurse, it must have been so embarrassing. <laughs> what does it say? Come on. If I'm screaming out in plain, please light a lavender candle. And a lavender, a lavender <laughs> candle. Like, that was going to take the edge off. Did she light a lavender candle? She did. Oh, no. <laughs> Could she have done anything worse? No. I was literally begging to be taken out of the birthing unit please get me somewhere medical give me drugs <laughs> knock me no out you drugs well not to start with <laughs> then I don't think I've dilated yet does but... lavender candle count as drugs <laughs> I think probably not <laughs> so you know even from those early days and then the other thing I was thinking of which again goes back to a bit some of the things that we discussed on the last podcast was this idea of how you think when you become a mother, you're going to do your own thing. You're going to be a shining example to those around you. And actually, what ends up happening is 
well, for me, how I feel is that it's been, you have this image in your head of what it's going to look like. And then from day one, as you go into it and you wanted to have a natural birth and actually you've been, you haven't got anywhere near that. And so what you're saying is it's nothing, it's nothing like you expected. It's nothing like you expect. And from then on in, it seems a steady stream of things that you're failing on, that you didn't quite get right. So you, know? you feel like a failure in motherhood? From day one, in certain areas, yes, I wanted a natural birth. And do I now want to hear about all my friends that, you know, went into hospital and it fell out in 30 seconds and they didn't need any pain relief? I don't know why I find that hard to take because it's very hard not to measure yourself against these things. I was convinced I was going to breastfeed for a year. You know, all these ideas that you have in your head of what She didn't your... breastfeed for a year. <laughs> but I way, didn't even get close. It, it was painful for everybody. <laughs> not just <laughs> Eliana. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the drama involved oh. in that. It was horrendous. So... Well, that's what I'm saying, is that's why you have to be so accepting, because we don't know these people that we're bringing into the world. We have to get to know them. We have to learn how to nurture them and how best to nurture them and how to look after them. And I learn that every single day. Every single day I fail at something and I succeed at something in terms of motherhood. Yes, and I think that's fair. Oh, thanks. <laughs> no, I mean fair to feel like that. <laughs> As to whether you do or not. So like, give me an example and let me be the judge So well, let me go through my day today because my day today was, was not pretty with my kids. They drove me crazy. They were both off school. It's a Monday. They were both off school because they both had the nits. Now, I think I was a... I know this is so gross, but I think I was being a responsible mother. Let's get it back to motherhood. A responsible mother for not sending them into school. And probably the only mother. Yeah, I've heard that a few times today. That I'm the only mother that wouldn't send their kid into school with the nits, but I don't think it's responsible, so I didn't. Uh, plus, it took me all day to get rid of them. They are now gone, I'm pleased to say. Hooray. Um, and was that they... your success? <laughs> you know what? I was struggling to think of a success, so yeah, that could be my success. The success is I got rid of the nits, but I did actually have to go somewhere and get a woman. Say. I paid a woman to get rid of them. So, so... you didn't get rid of the nits? Hey, <laughs> Tana got rid of the knit. No, okay. The knit lady got rid of the knits. Yes, there's a knit lady. I'll give you the number after if any of you are interested. But anyway, this isn't about the knits. It's just gross. This is about, okay, my successes and my failures. So just going on today, it, I really struggled with um, the kids today. I did. They were driving me nuts. And actually, I thought to myself... God, I haven't had a day like this with my kids for a really long time. Which is amazing. Which is amazing. But I used to have days like this with my kids all the time. But that was when I was in... I, I wasn't in such a good place mentally. Um, and so it kind, of, it kind of hit me today just how few of these I have now because I'm in a much better place emotionally, mentally, spiritually. You know, I'm very happy and I'm very contented. And I, I guess it just dawned on me today how much that has affected my parenting. Um, and I think that is so true. And I remember going to a talk, I think you were at it, um, some guy that did a parenting talk, and um, he said that your children can only bob along under your level of happiness. Oh, it's true. Which I think is really, really true. And I think what you have going on in your own life and what your own struggles are, and I think really, 
just from what you've said now, the essence of motherhood is... Oh, yeah, go on. <laughs> I've forgotten. <laughs> no, because, because here's the thing, right? I really, really respect you as a mum. And I know that we always take the mickey out of each other and everything else. But honestly, if I ever need advice in the parenting field, you are always my first port of call. Before my own mother, you're my first port of call, without mm-hmm. a shadow of a doubt. Um, so I wait with bated breath, even though I've completely interrupted you, to know what your definition of motherhood is. And I don't know, I don't really know if I can answer that because it's ever-changing. It really is ever-changing. And if you asked me before I came a mother, before I became a mother, what that would look like, um, I would have said, I'll never work. I'll be around for my children all the time um, and invest everything into them. And, And, And just to be clear to people that don't know you... Or that haven't heard the original podcast that we did uh, way back when. I, I think it was episode work. number two. Donna works. Uh, she's a teacher. She tutors. You're very. You're a very busy lady. Basically. I am a very busy lady, and this is something else that where my view on motherhood has changed. Somebody said that for all mothers, well, for all women, once they become mothers, something changes. Uh, physiologically a biological change in them where basically madness some form of madness sets in could it be due to hormone changes whatever it is it's something that I think women much more so than men I'm so pleased this I'm so pleased you just said that so basically we have kids and we go mad yes and now what you're saying is we have an excuse I hope so. <laughs> well, I'm taking it anyway. I'm I don't need any more than that. with that and I'm taking it home and I'm giving it to my husband yes. so that he can come back at me with nothing because I did go... I am, I am a bit mad. I forget things all the time. I, I never even used to have a diary before I was a mum. Yes. I mean, that even that in itself. Like, now if I do not write one... I, that's probably age as well, of course, I'm 11 years older, but... If I didn't write anything down, I don't, I don't remember anything. And they are huge changes that you don't expect to have to deal with. And I don't think a man goes through them in the same way. And just like when I became a mum, I had all those ideas. And this is something that I know we're going to come on to talk about afterwards, different sorts of mothers. But having started to become one of those mothers who was in the playground watching who my children were playing with and who was playing with who and what could affect my day in terms of what I'd seen in the playground. My ideas on parenting has changed because actually going back to this idea of our children only being able to bob along under our happiness, I knew that I could not carry on doing that and not <laughs> go... Because you weren't happy. <laughs> exactly. Um, and whereas now I hope that I'm mildly to moderately insane, I think had I chosen to continue not working I would be completely insane I also loved what you (laughs) personally I think you are completely insane that's the first thing (laughs) I absolutely love you were going to say moderate not mildly (laughs) no completely completely. I'm going completely but I love you for it absolutely love you for it (laughs) and it it makes me feel very together when I'm you know I'm only kidding I'm kidding Um, but the one thing that you said to me on the phone when we first started talking about this podcast before we recorded was that 
you said my main it's my main priority in life no i said it's my main priority in life that's how i view motherhood it is my absolute i always say i am a mum first but that's actually not strictly true because no, you started not. to pick it away yes but if i had to pick one role out of my whole life it would be motherhood oh, yes and and that that's a very easy call for me to make over anything it's motherhood first well it has to be that's not really a pick that's just well, it doesn't have to be. Mm. Well, as a mother in the early years, when you have young children and they're very demanding, it kind of does have to be. There's no getting away from it, is there? You know, that is your job that you have, you have to do. Y yeah. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, well, you could still choose another route. I mean, it wouldn't look favourably on you, but you could still choose that. Yeah, but to a certain degree, that is something... There is that sense of responsibility there. There is that sense There of... is, but I don't, I don't think everybody always chooses motherhood first. I'm not saying I do always choose motherhood first. Yes, but, but that's your first... If I have to, like, for instance, if one of my kids is really ill and I'm working all day, then my work gets cancelled and I focus on my kid. If that my kid is, like, pulling on my sleeve, asking for my attention and I'm on a work call, I'm going to stay on the work call. So it's not always motherhood first. I'm not always going to just drop everything for my kids. But when... what, what, what drives you is motherhood. What, yeah, what absolutely drives me is motherhood. And what drives me as a coach is motherhood in terms of trying to change the way women feel about themselves so that because I'm raising two girls and I want them to feel differently when they come into womanhood, I mean, that massively drives me. They've been my muses, if you like. Yeah. Um, but, so when I said it was my main priority in life, and this is what I'm really interested in exploring a bit, you said, my priorities have changed because it helps me survive my main priority, which is motherhood. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it does to me. But then you, you said, said it. the same. <laughs> <laughs> does it make sense to you? Let's ask the same one. Grounded. I think the word I used was grounded. <laughs> um... Yes, I think it has changed. Um, so one of the things that I've done since becoming a mother is go back to work. Um, that was something that I felt I needed to do to... But you didn't just go back to work. You actually retrained as a teacher because you were in IT before. And you didn't work for how many years did you not work for? Ten. Ten years. And then you decided literally overnight, literally I'm, going, overnight. I'm going to be a teacher... We didn't see you for two years because you were so busy studying. Yeah. I mean, seriously studying. I mean, seriously studying. Uh, I, I don't even know how many mental breakdowns you had in those two years because we literally <laughs> didn't speak to each other. You can guess. And, and without, well, without your grounded friends, exactly. where would you have been? Um, so you didn't just decide to go back to work. It's not like you went back to the old job you were in and everything was comfortable. You really chose to grow, learn and challenge and push yourself as a woman. And are you saying it's because you were a mother? I think it was all because I was a mother, because part of it is the sense of responsibility and worry of being a mother. Um, that's this is honestly, there are other reasons as well, but it felt good for my mental health to have something else to focus on because. I then realised I didn't want to be the sort of mother that invested everything into the children without them seeing me do anything else. Because one of my most important things that I think I've learned over the years in parenting is that 
all we can do is model. All we can do is model the... <laughs> and you don't mean not on a front cover. Because <laughs> you should see us both now. Exactly. Let me, let me set the scene, if oh, I may. Go on, set <laughs> well, the scene. Well, we're both sat here in our pyjamas, basically. We are. Without a scrap of makeup on between the two of us. Although we did just look at a picture of me and Ben and say we look like butters and butters. So, which, uh, is, which is not good. No. No. <laughs> um, so, and you were all done up in that picture. But anyway... So, so go on. So when you say model, you mean role model? I mean role model, and I think that's the only thing we can successfully do. Is role model. Is role model, because we all know we go through those times, they don't listen, they don't... They don't oh win, my God, they, they did it all day today. They did it all day today. They did not listen to me, not once. Which is standard. Oh, I mean, it is standard, but it's so infuriating. And I didn't like who I then became because I just lost it. I think I must be getting my period. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I was really, really short of patience with them today. Um, and it doesn't feel good. And all that short of patience, going back to what we said before about this idea of bobbing along, as a mother, it feels so important that you are constantly in a good headspace, checking yourself, knowing where you're at, what you're doing. Because the second other stresses get into your head and your life it's the kids that then it upsets that balance because you lose that ability to remain level-headed to remain patient to remain all of those things that you know you want to be and all the things that they really need you to be in order to, for their well-being and their happiness yes and it's quite exhausting oh, it's so because exhausting when you talk about this role modeling it's how they see you in a marriage it's how they see you as a friend. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> and as a friend, they what? heard you and I having a row, didn't oh they? Oh my gosh. That so, is both horrendous. of our daughters, we were on the phone, Donna and I were on the phone, this is a few months ago, and we were having basically a screaming row. A now, proper full on screaming around. Now, Donna and I have known each other many, many years, so we both knew that that, okay, that doesn't happen very often, but we both knew that it was going to be absolutely fine and we could move on from it. But the girls were quite. They were quite taken aback by the whole yeah. thing, weren't they? Daisy kept asking me afterwards, like, are you ever going to speak to Auntie Donna again? And, no. <laughs> yeah, which was actually quite amusing, because it's actually only the next day we sorted it out when I was in the car with Tully, and you and I were having a perfectly normal conversation, and Tully's jaw was on the floor. Like, is that Auntie Nicole? Yeah, but then yeah. I think that's a good thing that we've role-modelled, if you know what I mean. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> think about it. Think about it. We've shown them that it's okay to argue, it's okay to disagree... Because we still love each other and we still get to have a very solid relationship. And look, this is how we do things. But the point being that every time you open your mouth to anyone or do anything or do anything at all. I mean, the silliest things that, you know, I could be in Marks and Spencer's and take a bag and not have paid the 5p for it. Yeah. And my kids will be like, oh, mummy, you've stolen. Yeah. It's like, oh, give me a break. Yeah. Okay, I'm not just good. Okay. They owe me. They owe me. <laughs> but see how much these lights are worth. Don't get me started on the 5p bag. I mean, um, this is not about we the 5p bag. No, we haven't got time. We digress. But. So yes, you're right. So the role modelling is absolutely constant. It's constant and it's key. It's the only way they learn. I'm so aware of not. I'm, I'm actually aware of every, every uh, single thing I do. Every breath you take. <laughs> As Sting... Was it Sting? Well, Sting. Sting. Yeah, yeah. Was it the police. police. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so but even when I'm like putting my makeup on, so what they're all, there's yes. always one of them on a Saturday night who's watching me and basically literally going through 
all my makeup with their hands and their nails digging into my lovely Charlotte Tilbury lipsticks and what should be a lovely bonding experience. I'm going to be honest with you. It's like, get off the lipstick. That costs like 17 pounds. I can't bear them just touching everything. And, th and then I just think, God, and, uh, you're going to look back on these times and, and wish they were there driving you mad, wanting to touch yes. your makeup. And how do, yes. And it's so hard to hold on to, but it's so interesting, like as a teacher, you see it all the time, the way, what children's homes are like in an utterly gorgeous way and get the makeup thing. I don't know whether this story is relevant or not, but we were doing parts of the body in the class and we're discussing what all different parts of your body might be for, you know, you've got fingers so you can touch and I was going a bit deeper level to see uh, what I could get out of them. So I said, oh, can anyone think what eyelashes are for? And this girl put her hands up and she went, for putting makeup on. <laughs> and you just thought, so you know that's Obviously her mum house, is quite a glamorous mummy. Whereas none of my children would ever say that. You know, no. they would never have that thought. Um, so everything you do as a mother... Yeah, conditions the child. Conditions the child. And what are eyelashes for, Alice? <laughs> Stop dirt going in your eyes. I didn't know that. I, didn't I know think. That. <laughs> she thinks. Oh, hold on. It's like, what makes the town? <laughs> we had this conversation a while ago about what officially makes a town. And a city. And a city. The and continent. a continent. <laughs> we got to town because you said it was a library, post office. I can't remember. You said it was a library. It, it, in order for it to be named a town, it. It, we has, digress. To, it has to have a post office. <laughs> anyway, right. So I want to play a little game for you. I might edit that bit out. Um, can I just say one more thing before we carry on? Or oh, we haven't got time. No, no, go on. Um, We're not in any rush. The okay. listener is hopefully settled in on their commute <laughs> or on their walk or at the gym. And they, or with they, their children. Or they've turned us off. Yes. Go on. Um, is the idea of what I do now, partly to role model and partly for myself to stay sane and get through the process... And that is what's changed for me over time, which is why I now work, because for me, that's something that's really, really important for my own... Sanity. And to have something for myself, but also in terms I, of... But I, I totally agree with that. And I, I really, I sit right by your side on that, that there's certain tools that I have to have in place in my life in order to be the best mother that I can be. Yes. It's like your toolkit, isn't it? My toolkit, yeah. Because as soon as anything from the toolkit... Is unbalanced, Drops. like you've got a dodgy knee and you can't exercise, or all these things that you need to keep in place to keep the home going, to keep the home going, to keep you on that even keel in order to be able to keep your home going is very difficult. My mum always says to me, Why do you have to make your life so busy? Well, I have to make my life so busy to keep me sane. I have to make my life so busy because I have to work hard, because I have to show my children how to be a strong woman how to work, how to be a wife, how to give charity, how to all these overwhelming things that you want to teach your children. What about how to put mascara? <laughs> <laughs> that will never, that's what they got you <laughs> Yeah, for. they got their auntie Nicole for that one. So, yeah, and I think I'm only starting to realise that the older I get, and I especially think it dawned on me as I hit my 40s, just the responsibility and the role modelling that it takes and how it's how it's sitting with my children and what, they're, what they will take from it. Because um, I also lead a busy life, probably not quite as busy as yours. And, and it's probably driven from the same thing, so that I want to show my children how to be a woman and how to be a happy woman, which I believe I am. 
um, and how to be a functioning, independent, modern woman. Yes. And everything that's attached to that. Absolutely. But you know what? Today, I just I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> today and that and that's also but that's me being a real woman yes. you know I mean there are days where I can't do it and I think we all have those days and that's okay and that's what you have friends for that in those minutes where you just can't do it that you know we're all in it together and I'm sure we're all suffering from exactly the same thoughts and feelings as mothers um and it's very difficult it's very, it's the, it's the hot, and any mother would say this, it is the absolute hardest, most challenging role I've ever had to play. Yes. And, of course, the most rewarding. Yes. It, it is. It is the most amazing thing you can do, and there are amazing moments, but you have to also be prepared to put in the hard graft, which it is. And what would you say the hard graft is? Um... The hard graft, I think, one of the hardest things, I think when you enter this stage of your life, you don't really know until you get there what you want, what are those things that are going to be important to you. And part of it is really understanding what those things are yourself so that you can be passionate about them and show them to your children. I love the fact, it gives me so much joy and pleasure of when my kids come in to the school where I teach for a day or sometimes they'll come in for a morning or my eldest will come out and help and do some reading with the kids and them getting to watch me in a different environment where I'm not mummy, I am a teacher and I'm respected as that where it's something that I'm good at that the children can see that I'm good at and something that is for me that I do on my own it's not about them, it's not about my husband that is just something that is about me. Okay, so I want to change tack a bit here, if that's all right. Sure. Um, and I want to play a little game with you. Oh. So I was reading on um, Psychology Magazine five uh, types of mothers. And this is obviously according to Psychology Magazine, and there's obviously a million types of all different mothers, but I just thought this was great, and I thought we could go through the points and see which ones we think the other one is most like. <laughs> she looks scared, people. What do you I think? Am. Are you willing to play? I'm willing to play. So, the first one... So, I'll, I'll name all five and then I'll give you a little rundown of what they are. So, we've got perfectionist mother. We've got unpredictable mother. We've got the best friend mother. The me first mother. And the complete mother. Okay. So, the perfectionist mother, typically an over-controlling, fearful and anxious woman for whom appearance is everything. Her children tend to be hypercritical of themselves, feeling inadequate and emotionally empty. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I think I'll say no to that one. Uh, I mean... I think I would be in danger of being that mother if I didn't work. Yeah. And I agree. Yeah. And going back to... I mean, obviously, we see we've entered a world of meeting a whole plethora of new mothers. And I would say you can think of anyone and put them into one of those categories. And how 
affected you see the children are by the how their mothers are by how their mothers are you yeah. could speak to five children and speak to five mothers and, and you, you would know exactly who belonged to who well you, you are you saying you would because you're a teacher or any woman would I don't know. It definitely makes you more in tune with it, but you do definitely notice, as I'm sure you do too, where you have a more anxious child, you will have a more anxious parent. These things come through very strongly in the children because this is the behaviour that's being modelled, which is why it's so important that you are happy with what you're doing and that behaviour that you are modelling. Yeah. And finding those things that you know you'd your insecurities or your things that you have now is the time to get on top of them so that you are not passing them on to your children and if you can't do it for yourself then do it for your kids yeah kind of thing. okay so perfectionist mother i don't think either one of us are do you think you have any of that in you i i don't think i have any of that in me no i don't think you do either. i mean i i'd almost like a touch of it but i just don't know <laughs> because the strengths are you can have a strong sense of commitment in relationships and are responsible and reliable in everything you do you value hard work and persistence as core character qualities. I mean, that's nice, of being a perfectionist, but I wouldn't put that together with a perfectionist. I wouldn't put that together with a perfectionist, but I'm also wondering, as we're going through it, are we the best judges of whether we're like that or not? Because would well, you we be... should ask our kids. Exactly. Let's not do that. Right, so <laughs> number two is unpredictable mother. I can think of plenty of unpredictable mothers. You know, they're the mothers that it's slightly uncomfortable to be around because you don't know at what instant it's going to Well, I, th- I, I think there is a part of me that could be this, actually, and I'm going to read this out to you. Anxious. I can get anxious sometimes. Angry. Excessively emotional. Maybe not. No, this, I don't think this is This you. mother is overwhelmed by feelings, so her parenting style is based purely on mood. This type has the most chaotic of the five styles. She creates problems, issues and crises in her mind through her emotions and relationships and passes them on to her children. I think, well, I hope that I have elements of that, but I'm not passing them on to my children. So you can be this, but your kids won't know. No, exactly. And that doesn't really go in line with what you just said. No. I don't, I don't think, you're not excessively emotional, but you can be quite anxious. Um, and you can get overwhelmed. But find me a mother that's not anxious and or does not get overwhelmed. I uh, cannot think of a single mother that has not, at some point, that's a good point, felt that anxious and overwhelmed. Yes. So, so okay. So most mothers could probably relate to the unpredictable mother. But it says this type has the most chaotic of the five stars, and I do think that I can be quite chaotic sometimes. Do you think I'm a chaotic mother? Not at all. I really don't think you're a chaotic mother. I feel like a chaotic mother. I think women probably feel that way. Yes, because there is always that sense of chaos in the mind because the never-ending and ever-growing list of things that need to be dealt with resolved. Yeah, that just don't get done. Yeah, exactly. So I'm sure... Oh, hold on. Your strengths are excellent people skills. I have excellent people skills. And the ability to be empathic, which I can. See, I knew I I, (laughs) I was aligned slightly with this. Often great motivators. You offer emotional support to colleagues as well as friends and family. Why are you so excited to be a chaotic mother? I'm not understanding. An unpredictable unpredictable. (laughs) mother. Okay, you can have that one. (laughs) Okay, so the next one is... No, but can I just make one more point on that one? I think we all feel elements of that, but again, it's working against that. 
to... Well, it's fine-tuning it. It's keeping it in check. Yeah. And again, what I'm hearing is from all these things, uh, I I don't know whether when we go through the list, we will feel elements of all of them. Yeah. And that is why my answer is keep busy. (laughs) Basically, keep busy? busy. How busy is busy, though? Well, I think my how busy is too busy. Okay. So I think your how busy is too busy. Right. <laughs> I wasn't aware I asked, but I know. But how, okay, would but you, you think say, that's fair? Do you well, feel you said too keep busy? busy. So I would say I wouldn't use the word busy because there are days and times where I can just feel like a busy fool. And I use that term a lot. I say that a lot to Adam, I feel like a busy fool, like I'm just running, chasing my tail all the time. I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's And that's the chaotic mum. I told you I was a chaotic mum. Yes, that's the chaotic, but that's also a busy mum. So it's, it's busy, but productive. Productive busy. Some mums choose to do exactly the opposite and not be busy at all, other than their mum duties. Lovely. And, and I envy those mums. I, I envy them being happy and content with that. Me too. I mean, I truly do, because I wish I could, because I drive myself crazy. Yes. And that's why I've become chaotic and anxious and overwhelmed. Absolutely. So the next one is uh, the best friend mother. She enjoys treating her children as equals in order to avoid the responsibility of setting boundaries. This mother believes her life would be over if she embraced motherhood, so avoids that role. Instead, both child and parent assume the role of emotional confidant and partner, leaving the child effectively motherless. In this situation, the emotional needs of the mother are so consuming, she has to rely on the child to meet them. That's definitely not me. That's definitely, definitely not you. But I do know mums that are like that. And, And how do you think that plays on the child? I think it's quite difficult, but I also think that when you move more into that friend-mum issue zone is when the kids are a bit older. It's all much easier to deal with when they're younger because they're not... Well, you're in control of everything. Yes. Um, My next point was going to be that out of all these five different types of mothers, I don't think my type of mother is on there. Well, hold on. And we need to add another one, which is control freak mother. Well, that could come under perfectionist mother. I suppose it would. Hold on, there is one out here that I think is quite like you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. So the next one is the me first mother. And actually, I felt very uncomfortable when I read this. One of the most prevalent mothering styles, me firsts, are unable to view their children as separate individuals and tend to be self-absorbed and insecure. Their offspring will learn from an early age that their role is to make their mother shine. That's very uncomfortable. That's very uncomfortable. And your take on it? Uh, To be avoided at all costs. (laughs) Busy. (laughs) Stay busy. Not to be the me first mother. Yes, exactly. I I will be very honest here and say there was a stage in my life where I think I was the me first mother, which is why I found it very uncomfortable to read it. Again, when I was in a much unhealthier place I was in a very dark place it's not an excuse but I couldn't I kind of couldn't get myself out of this rut that I was in it went on for a few years and I I guess I did put my children first in terms of feeding them and clothing them and educating them and you know all the things that I was supposed to tick off the list 
But because my mental state wasn't brilliant, I found it hard to connect with my kids because I couldn't connect with myself. And you couldn't emotionally put them first. I couldn't, thank you. That's a much, yeah, I couldn't emotionally put them first. Um, and, I, and I will never be that mother again. And I would say you didn't choose that as a parenting style. That was just the place that you were in. It was just the way you needed to be at that time. You just had no choice. Yeah. And now it's actually interesting what you just said because choosing the mothers that we get to be. And yes, I very much consciously choose every day the mother I want to be. Like today, okay, wasn't my best day. I didn't, you know, yes, I chose to be a really chaotic, stressed out mum today, but it's not my first choice. And she doesn't appear very often. She used to, that used to be that default she, setting. She was my default setting and she isn't anymore. But that's what, that's what it showed me today, that actually how far I've come in terms of, in terms of being a mum. Agreed 100%. And I also think it shows more than that how hard it is every day and what a conscious effort you have to make every day to be the mother that you want to be, to role model that behaviour. And you can go to bed some nights where you think, I dealt with that really well, that went really well, um, and that was a good day. And some days where you wish you hadn't said something, you wish you hadn't done something, you wish you'd dealt with something in a different way. Well, just like they're always growing as children... We're always growing as parents, always learning, always aiming, striving to be better. Well, I'm always striving to be a better mum. Yes, me too. And I think one of the things that's really important with that is who your role models are. Ooh, who are your role models for parenting? So when Ben's sister was here, Sarah, she was really, really... Ben is, that's your sister-in-law. Yeah, my sister-in-law. Um, she, she doesn't live in this country anymore. No, she doesn't. Okay. Um, but I always remember looking up to her and thinking that she just did it all right. And I loved everything I saw about her style of parenting. And I suppose I did try and go a similar way. And it was amazing to have that person there. And that's not to say that anyone else's parenting style is wrong. It's just what sits right it with really, you. It really spoke to you. And what was it that was so special for you? It was just everything that I would want to be that seems to come so naturally to her. What she would sit and do with them in an afternoon. She wouldn't just put the TV on. They'd be sitting around doing puzzles. At meal times, they would always eat whatever there was. It was never a family where the mother was making eight different meals for every different child because they don't like this and don't like that. And just... Some really nice, obvious things. But you know, I've actually got a new thing on that. Go on. Because I don't make a million different things. Right. Because Daisy now just makes it herself. <laughs> Which is what? A packet of crisps. No, like today, she just... She, I mean, I gave her a chicken stir-fry. She looked at me like I'd served her poison. <laughs> and I was obviously not in the mood to start placating or yeah. trying to get her to eat this. And she went, all I make it myself. I said, good. And what did she make? A bowl of plain pasta. Okay. I mean, again, I didn't say today, today was not a good day for parenting. <laughs> I have said that from the off. Do you want to know my view on this? <laughs> yeah. Go on. I don't know. I mean, I do feel that meal times, you make what you make, you put it down and whoever eats it, eats it and whoever doesn't, that's tough luck. But you know what was so amazing? I completely agree by that, by the way. Completely agree, but I haven't seemed to manage to be able to get this 
part of parenting correct because my kids are just nightmare eaters. Yeah, but that's down to me. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's like so easy to say, oh, well, my kids are nightmare eaters. Well, no, you would have to say, I've made my kids nightmare eaters. Maybe a bit harsh, but you understand the sentiment. They can't have done that. I, I actually agree with you. Do you? Yeah, I do. Because had I laid down the law early on and not placated them or entertained their silly tantrums about food, then I probably wouldn't be in this predicament now. Yes. So after um, she'd made herself this plain pasture and I completely overlooked the whole thing, just trying not to focus on it, Yeah. you know, avoid, um, my friend then sent me a text that of her kids' dinner time, I swear to God, and it was um, a salmon stir-fry. And I said, there's no way they ate that with about 14 question marks. She then sent a video. I swear to God, I mean, how? The timing of it. She sent a video of them, like, ooing and ahhing and eating the, eating the salmon. And I'm like, what, why is this here? Why is, what is this telling me? Basically, I just need to persevere. Find new friends. (laughs) I need to to persevere, basically. I just thought it was so funny. Like, no one ever sends me a video of what their kids are eating. But that goes back to um, what I was saying before, that you have to... The comparing thing. A, the comparing thing. It's just so dangerous. It's really prevalent in motherhood. It's so prevalent in motherhood. And so exhausting that we all seem somewhere in us, whether we like it or not, where we must feel a need... To show that we are being good mothers, that we are getting that validation for being good mothers, and another part of it where you have to have real strength of character of saying, "This is how I do it. This is how I do it. Yeah, this is how I have I started do it. doing that a bit more." But I agree with you; it takes a real sense of strength. You have to know what it is you want in order to be able to stick by your guns enough to actually then do it. But there are certain people that I still want the validation from, and they are people that I respect heavily. Yes. So, like, my parents. I want the validation from my parents that I'm doing a good job, yes. like most people do, yes. right? I want the validation from you. Not You don't need to sit there and tell me how wonderful I am, but if I ask you something, like, for you to then say, actually, I think that was a really good call, yeah. I, would be, I would be really, really touched. Yes. And I feel really good about that. Um, so, and I, I guess what I've learned in terms of that, going back to that tool bag and I'd like to hear your take on this too, is I've stopped asking a million people. Yes. Because I've learned that everyone has a different parenting style. Yes. And there's, no one's is right or wrong, or no one's is wrong, let's put it that way. And everyone's is different. And you can only go... So the people whose advice that I want are the ones that I just really respect as parents. Yes. And... All mothers will have a different view on what that is. Yes. And I mentioned to you when we discussed it, me and my sister, and I really wanted my sister to come and do the podcast with us, um, which I'm sure she will at some point, but her and I are chalk and cheese yeah. in our parenting styles. Yeah. My parenting style is make everything as hard for yourself as possible and don't let anything go and everything has to be done in a certain way, in my control freak way and... But your kids aren't like that at all. They are just... They're so cool, your kids. They're so chilled. They're so friendly. They're just cool kids. They're lovely, lovely kids. As we all have I know, lovely but, but what I was kids. then going to say was that your sister... Just, yes. just tell everyone what... 
her style is briefly. So she has a style, and I can't remember what it's called. I'd have actually, to ask she, it. She actually told me what it was. Oh, did it's she? It's called, is it called um, willful, willful neglect. Willful neglect. So yeah. her approach is willful neglect, and she is as firm in her belief that that is the right way to parent as I am to do absolutely the opposite and not leave any sense and no stone unturned no stone unturned and we can have friday night dinners or family occasions or even from when the kids were young she's busy with the sippy cup but my kids are covered in water because i can't give them a sippy (laughs) cup because that's not what children do why would you give a child a sippy cup and they have to learn to drink out of a normal cup and yeah those kind of things you know hers with a dummy mine crying Oh, you were so adamant about not having the dummy. Yeah, was, you know, and all these things. But actually, she's also got gorgeous I, I, kids. I, that's what I was going to say. Her boys are divine. Gorgeous. Also cool, chilled, friendly, just gorgeous kids. Yes. So what does that say? <laughs> I, actually, I'm going to come back to that. Okay. I'm going to come back to that. Okay. Because that, that's going to round everything off really nicely. So the last one, number five... And according to Psychology Magazine, is the complete mother. Um, this ideal is only experienced by about 10% of people. Is this the mother we all want to kill? No, this is the mother we all want to be. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> okay. The complete mother combines the best elements of the other four styles. Oh, love it, yes. Oh, you, she's on board. Yeah. Emotionally balanced, she can see her children as individuals and help them achieve their own independence. I struggle with that one. I think I'm getting a bit better at it. She isn't necessarily perfect herself. Very true. (laughs) But whatever her emotional circumstances, she is committed to motherhood, regardless of other responsibilities outside the home. I mean, obviously I'm going to say, this is you to a T. Really? Yeah. Why are you shocked by that? I don't know. To me, it sounds like a complete ideal of somebody (laughs) that doesn't exist because it is the perfect elements of all of those things. It it is balanced. And isn't isn't that interesting that this is how I see you as a mum? It is interesting because I feel I have very little balance in my life. No, but it didn't say balance. Had it have said balance? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I would have gone back to the over-controlling mum. No. But then I would say, could you be that without balance? Because you're... But you are this. It says emotionally balanced, which you are emotionally balanced. You are. Thank you. You are. But, you're, but you juggle, you spin way too many plates. But you are emotionally balanced. And you see your children as individuals and you totally help them achieve their own independence. By being absent. <laughs> no, you're not absent. You're not absent, you work. And I think that's a real listen. I was raised by a working mum, right? As were you. Yes. Now, back then, <laughs> I'm 42. So it was quite new for mums to go out to work. Yes. So all of my, um, all of my friends' mothers were stay-at-home mums. Or let's say 90% of them. The ones at the top of my head were. And I have always, out of most of my friends, had a very, very healthy relationship towards working. And I've always, always worked. Yeah. And I've always been a striver. Yeah. And I've always, always. And I've always been a hard worker. And I've, I've always enjoyed working. And I thank my mother for that. Was she always around? No. I don't ever remember her picking me up from school. That was definitely not something that happened. So when I had kids, it was something that I was very conscious I wanted to do to yeah. make sure that my kids... 
I was the first face my kids saw when they come out of the school day, and they do. And you were lucky that you could do that. And I created that as well. I did create that. I could do it because of my job as a hairdresser, but I also created it. Yes, yes, yes. Because it was very important to me. Yes. Um, So she wasn't around to pick me up, but she was always there. Like, I always had clean clothes. I always had a home-cooked meal every single night on the table. Always had Ribenas in the fridge. Always Ribenas in... You know, she she ran a very efficient home. Yes. Um, As do you. Thank you. You do run an efficient home. Your home completely runs like clockwork, and that's down to you. Well, I have a lot of help. I do have a lot of help. Oh, I have. I do. I have a cleaner and I have an au pair. I have a lot of help. I do. Why are you laughing? I'm just thinking he wasn't mentioned. <laughs> Adam. <laughs> I'm asking. He doesn't. He doesn't. No, I know. I mean, uh, he do, works. He's, he's a, you know. He, he works. He works very, very long hours. Yes. So, so does he help run the home? Well, he pays most of the bills to run the home no in I know respect, it's just interesting doesn't... that when you say just thinking about this idea of what we're trying to show our girls about being a woman yeah that you work you yeah. both work yeah like in my house we both work um but yet when you talk about anything to do with the house or the kids when you say you have help that's the help that's prevalent when really you could argue that what? It should be a wider net of of people. Well, as in your husband? Yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> why you're going around the house with it. So it comes down to money. Yes. And you and I have discussed this at length, you know, so many times. And I've even discussed this in my Equality podcast. It comes down to money. And Adam and I always have this discussion. And at the end of the day, he earns more money than me. Yes. Therefore... And would the roles be reversed if I earn more money than him? Would he pick up the kids more from school? Would he be in the home more? Yes. Yes. Yes, he would. So it comes down to money. Yes. I don't think that. I don't think it's a gender role. I don't think it anymore. No, but, but I think I, it's a financial thing. Yes, I agree. But then I do think, as a mother, you are under more pressure because whatever else you are doing, you are always going to have that job. But I want that job as well and I think when my kids were younger I resented it more probably because it was harder I resented you know I had to give up my career in TV I, I wanted to at the same time because I was travelling loads and he was travelling loads and we both couldn't do it yeah. so so I it was obviously going to come down to me to stop working because I didn't earn the same amount of money as he did so and I resented that for a long time that I was the one that had to even though I wanted to yeah. now I see it differently because it's a privilege and I absolutely adore being around with my kids and being able to have a career as well. And I think I've got a really nice balance with And it. that's what I was going to say. Actually, you have managed to find a really good balance and still continue to develop professionally, which is amazing, and still Thank be you. around for your kids. Yeah. I as mean, well as still working really, really hard, which is... Which is what I want them to see. Yes. Because that's how I was raised. Yes. And I thank my mother. So you, you, going back to you saying, oh yeah, my style of parenting is just not being around. No, you're actually teaching them a far more important lesson in life. That if you want to have nice things in life and you want to grow in life and you want to be an independent person in life, then you have to go and have your own career and do your own thing outside of the home. And that's what's important to me and that's what's important to you and as a mother not what's important to everyone. No and like we said before and I envy those mothers. Yes. I absolutely envy them and take my hat off to them 
that they dedicate their lives to motherhood. I think it's incredible. So let's round this up. Yes. Tell me um, if you could put all of everything that we've discussed, if you could kind of bottom line it all, what would you say? Hmm. Well, it's a difficult one. I think I'd say that for me, being a good mother is about being happy in myself with what I'm doing. And it's really about, at this point in my life, knowing my own mind, knowing what is important to me so I can be firm and strong in my beliefs of what I want to achieve for as a family and what I want that to be for my children. And there are lots of areas I do that and the more time goes on, there's things that I see. I know what those things are and I know what I want that to be and what I want to show the kids and I can see the areas that can I... Be, can you give us specifics? So like, for example, one of the things that I really want to show my kids is being kind to other people, only speaking kindly of other people, um, trying to see the best in other people. Yeah. And they're things that... Humanity. Yeah. Yeah. But they are things that I find quite difficult to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're human. Because I'm human. And we have a judgmental brain, and that's it yes. takes over sometimes. Yes. And it's really knowing what the things are that you want to portray to your children, that you want them to be like, that you want them to come home and tell you things that you're going to be proud of, that maybe you've been able to impart to them. That are important to you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... What about for you? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely all of that you, that you said, a big yes to all of that. Um, and it does come down to, for me, in my journey of motherhood, like I said before, going from when I wasn't in a great mental space to now and how I've actually seen my kids develop through those times and my relationship with them um, and how I hold motherhood very differently where I used to find it a chore, I used to resent it, I used to find it very, very difficult and draining. I now feel, you know, I just feel so grateful every day that I get to, to be a mum. And I have these two... <laughs> Is that what you were thinking today? <laughs> no, not today. Today was, I told you, today was a really off day. But, and, but that's the reality of it. But overall, you know, the reality is sometimes it is the hardest thing you'll ever do. And I'm pushed to my apps. They are my greatest teachers in life. And I'm pushed to my absolute limits with those two girls. There is no doubt about it. And I feel very grateful for it because they are the ones that have pushed me to be a better woman yeah. and to be a better mother. Yes. Um, and a better person. And a, just... absolutely a better person. And I do it, of course I do it for myself and I do it for them. And I loved what you pointed to about having to be conscious of what's important for us, what's right for us, what's wrong for us, yes. standing by our values, yes. knowing very clearly what they are so that we can consciously pass them on to our children. And that's what I try to do every day. And some days I fail miserably like today. And some days I feel really bloody proud of myself. Absolutely. And it's really important to keep looking at what your values are and being sure that you know what they are and that you and your 
in your partnership know what they are so that they can really come across strongly in your home. Lovely. I agree. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on again. Thank you for having me. As always. <laughs>